Welcome to Greeting Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And the 2015 season is now complete. And it ended yesterday with Super Bowl 50, the much-anticipated matchup. And it didn't quite live up to the billing as far as the game went, but it still gave us a ton to talk about, like every Super Bowl does. The Denver Broncos upset the Carolina Panthers 24-10, to and... Matt, before the game, we were texting back and forth trying to decide um, how the game was going to go, and, and you were kind of on the fence, and I was sure that Carolina was going to win. And in one final correct or incredibly incorrect pick, which I've done much this year, uh, the Denver Broncos did the inverse and dominated the Panthers, and I'm still um, a little bit shocked that that happened. Yeah, I am too, and I, I had been picking Denver throughout the week, but I, even still, I was kind of shocked to see it actually come to fruition. It just kind of seems like when you look at it kind of from a broad spectrum here, you see this team with, you know, they talk about the number one offense versus number one defense, and you're like, well, it seems like that defense usually wins that matchup, and they just seem to match up well against Carolina, but I almost still didn't think that was enough. You thought that Carolina's offense was good enough, but clearly not, and, and Cam Newton gets completely shut down, which was a shock because we haven't seen that all year long. Yeah, I didn't think they were going to be able to pressure him and keep him in the pocket, and they sacked him six times, which I never thought would happen. Yeah. And the way that he had torn apart two other really good defenses in the NFC playoffs really led you to believe that he had a chance to do that against Denver, and I didn't have any confidence in Peyton Manning or the Broncos' offense doing anything to the Panthers, and it turned out they couldn't. They didn't need it. <laughs> no, they, they had 11 first downs as the winning team and 194 total yards. I bet you those numbers haven't been achieved by a winning team since the 70s in the Super Bowl. And yeah, I heard it was like the worst quarterback performance, at least in terms of production ever for a winning team and the least amount of total yards on offense. Yeah, the passer rating for Peyton Manning was the third worst by a winner. Um, he trailed Ben Roethlisberger in Super Bowl 40 when he had that awful game against Seattle. And then John Elway against the Packers in Super Bowl 32 had like a 30 something quarterback rating. Huh. Now Peyton was third. And as far as yardage, I, believe uh, I know Peyton's not last I don't know where he ranks but um, if any of you have been following the website I've been writing about Super Bowls every day for the last week and a half and one of them I wrote about was trying to change Super Bowl 8 and Bob Greasy was 6 of 7 for like 60 yards in that game so uh, that that game was terrible but either way yeah Manning completely was a I, I guess the reason they started him over Brock Osweiler is they assumed he would turn the ball over fewer times than Osweiler would and hoped that they wouldn't need him, and that defense was as dominating as any we've seen, including Seattle two years ago. Right. I mean, that, that playoff run they just put together was incredible. It was as good as anybody's ever put together in the postseason. And, and to shut down 
what was it, Pittsburgh, New England, mm-hmm. and then Carolina, the best offense in the league, all in a row, and do it in such dominating fashion. I mean, it's got to be one of the best playoff runs, probably since, what, the 2000 Ravens. Maybe throw Seattle in there from a few years ago, but it's as good as I can remember. Yeah, definitely since then. I mean, there were some in the 80s that were ridiculous, yeah. but since the passing game really exploded, I can't think of anybody that's close, at least since, you know, definitely the lockout. I would say the 2000 Ravens is probably the benchmark. Um, maybe, well, I was going to say New England in 2003 when they beat McNair and Manning when they were co-MVPs, but then they got torched by Jake DeLome in the Super Bowl. And by the way, just to make Carolina fans feel even worse, when I was researching the worst quarterback ratings to win a game, Jake DeLome has the best quarterback rating for a losing quarterback with 113. (laughs) So, um, I guess Carolina will have to wait again for their first championship and, Cam Newton played rough, uh, as was clear. He was under pressure the entire game. But a lot of those missed throws that he made are the same missed throws that he's been making all year. And we've talked about that a lot, that if he ever gets his accuracy under control, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. But you have to wonder if at this point, if it still persists at this point in his career, that it might be that that's just who he is. He's going to be like Roethlisberger or Flacco or one of those guys who's just a chucker, and some of his passes are going to go wayward, and he's not going to be able to ring them in. Yeah, and I think to some extent that's always going to be the case with him. But it, he was hitting, you know, I, there was so many air throws in the beginning of that game, and I think I saw he had the or tied for the Super Bowl record with 10 overthrows. It mm-hmm. just... He just seemed off, and he was probably anxious. You know, you can definitely understand that, but just couldn't get it under control. But and by the time you you would think a quarterback normally does, he's getting pounded into the ground, so he never really got a chance to bounce back from that. Yeah. So I, I mean, he was definitely off. He, he isn't the most accurate quarterback, but I'd say he's a lot more accurate than he looked yesterday. I mean, he's been through the playoffs and the end of the regular season just drilling deep throws and. And he did sometimes, and they were drops, but there was a lot. He missed really badly, too. Yeah, and that one that was overturned, I think it was to Jericho Cotri that Mike Carey screwed up again on his analysis of. But I felt like he threw a good ball on that one, and if Cotri had caught it clean, that could have been like an 80-yard touchdown. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's the kind of things that happen between the winner and the loser in the Super Bowl. You just have to make those plays. And, you know, we saw teams like the Packers who made a ton of mistakes and dropped a ton of big plays, but they just stayed in it and were able to finally get their groove and put up 31 points and win. I thought he would run more, and maybe I have to watch it again and see if there were more options for that, but... Uh, you have a hard time believing, even as bad as he was, he wasn't that bad that you didn't think that they could come up with more points than they did. They didn't need that many, and heck, Denver's two touchdowns, one was a defensive touchdown, and the other one was set up by an incredibly short field. You almost wonder if he just would have been a little bit more experienced and to steal a cliche took what the defense gave him and didn't try to hit those big ones that they could have just methodically got down and won like a really awful 14 to 10 game yeah you sure think that might have been a better option than how awful the passing game was going I mean you see how off a guy looks right away and you've got such a good alternative to him running the ball whether it's scrambles or or design run plays and they really didn't I think he had what six or seven carries something like that yeah six and it seemed it seemed to work really well, too, when they did it. It's just, I don't know if they were trying to force the pass game a lot, but it seems like Denver was kind of giving him that, and they just didn't want to take it. They just kept you know, trying to run it with Tolbert and, and Stewart and then just trying to throw down the field, and it wasn't working at all. 
Yeah, and it's still strange that, well, I guess they did attempt 27 rushes, but I don't know. It, for Cam Newton to throw 41 passes in a game that they never, I mean, the final scoring margin was the largest of the game. For most of it, it was a one-score game. I'm not quite sure why they just kept throwing and throwing and throwing. I mean, I know you got the league MVP, but I don't know. It just seemed weird. Um, excuse me, I was losing my voice in the middle of that, so I had to come out of there. Um, so, Peyton Manning, I think, it, it was a nice story. I had said earlier in the season that this was a story that I, I would like to see if the Packers weren't going to win the Super Bowl. But to me, his performance yesterday was even further proof, and perhaps maybe convincing me once and for all, that championships are a pretty lousy way to judge quarterbacks it's a good part of the overall picture if you're trying to judge who's the greatest of all time but it seems like there are many uh, pundits and fans and whatnot that will put winning a championship as number one if you haven't won a championship you're not in the conversation or if you won this many championships it's better than a guy with this many and to see Peyton Manning who's been so great and this Super Bowl, he was absolutely just an also-ran on the team, trying not to screw it up. Back in 2006, he was a great, great player, but his run in the playoffs was not that great. You know, to think about that, and then Tom Brady last year winning a Super Bowl when he was one yard away from losing it with the exact same stat line, yeah. it just seems kind of silly to have these arguments that this guy's better than this guy because of championships when the truth is uh, the team is so much more important. It sounds silly to have to say that, but I don't think enough people uh, give that credit. Oh, absolutely. I think that's huge. And, you know, maybe I wouldn't even want to change that because I love the importance of the Super Bowl. But, then when yeah, like you said, when you see Peyton get one and get two added to his resume now, which kind of puts him into a whole other category, but it's like he almost had nothing to do with that at all. Yeah. Um, and that's now added to his resume that he's a two-time Super Bowl winner. Um, yeah, and, and that's going to be part of his legacy. And I think people like us that watch this is, will remember that, but people, you know, 10, 15 years from now won't, and mm-hmm. they'll, they'll look back on it and say, oh, all right, two Super Bowl championships. And, you know, same for a guy like Eli and, oh, Joe Flacco got one. He must have been really good <laughs> yeah. someday when they're deciding for Hall of Fame votes and stuff. But yeah, it's, it is strange. And again, I don't know if I'd change it, but it definitely means maybe a little bit too much for a person's legacy. Yeah, and I don't want to change it either because that's the reason you're there and it certainly should have weight, but I don't know, it's, it just seems kind of silly when, you know, guys like Dan Marino are discounted when there are a lot of guys who won championships that aren't even close to as good as Dan Marino. But I guess to play devil's advocate, is anybody saying, you know, that Jim McMahon is better than him? Or really, you know, nobody's really making the argument for any of those one-time Super Bowl winners that they're any better than he is. No, but I have heard people make the argument that there's no debate between Marino and Manning because Manning has titles. And I don't think that's fair. The teams Manning played on were much better than the teams that Marino played on. And it played, and Marino played in an era where there were dominant teams. And if you weren't on one of them, you were just a foil for them. And, you know, not to once again plug the stuff I wrote last week, but it became clear when I was researching all these old Super Bowls that he really never had a chance. And if you look at production and things like that, um, adjusting for the inflation of the era. I mean, he's basically the Peyton Manning of his era, but just never played on a good enough team. 
Um, but yeah, but, and yeah. you could have very well seen that happen in Payton's career too. I mean, it probably was going to end at the same time, and he very well could have lost, you know, in '06 and not won one because he didn't play that well. And obviously, with this one too, very likely could have never never won a championship. Yeah, I mean, how many seasons did Dan Marino have that were better than Payton this year? Like all but his last two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it just that's I think what this was for Payton was it was probably a adjustment back to the mean because he was so good in those mid 2000s that it's ludicrous that he only won one time and so this is kind of the payback for all those other ones that he probably should have won Mm -hmm. but it's just kind of interesting and i hope uh, people maybe see what happened here and give some more credit to some of those guys and you know thinking of a guy like brett Favre, who only won one but was still spectacular for most of his career Let's talk about the other quarterback, uh, Cam Newton. We we talked about him a little bit. He's making headlines after the game. Um, first of all, we'll talk about Hall of Fame a little bit later, but Cam Newton being the MVP and losing, Kurt Warner in 1999 is still the last NFL MVP to win the Super Bowl. Wow. Which is nuts. And it's, <laughs> That's crazy. And it seems like in the 90s they were always winning the Super Bowl. So it's just crazy that it's been almost 20 years. But did you see any of the coverage or articles talking about his press conference where he left i did yeah i i saw on sports center this morning they sh- showed pretty i think it was the whole thing it was very short yeah it was like three minutes long yeah but i, I guess i have heard since that um they could hear some of the broncos players on the other side of the divider and mm-hmm. it was um i think it was brandon marshall the linebacker was saying that they were their whole game plan was to make cam throw and, and like you could hear that actually in the audio feed for when cam was going and i think that might be why he just got up and left because he was upset at what he was hearing yeah and i had actually saw a clip on facebook right before we started recording that you could audibly hear that he got up and left right when they were talking about how they wanted cam to throw and we knew we could shut him down and I don't know. I've seen so many different things on this, and there's a lot of people that are really slamming him for this. And at first, when I saw it, I was like, gosh, you know, that's that's such weak sauce, because all year, <laughs> you were just so yeah. boisterous, and it's easy to be a guy who's known for having fun and celebrating when you lose one time in 18 games. But on the flip side, I think... I saw a picture of him smiling, talking to Peyton after the game. And I think at this point, whether he created it himself, there's some animosity, at least in his mind, between him and the media. And I don't know if he was necessarily being a... I mean, he was being a sore loser, but I think everybody is after losing the Super Bowl. But he seemed gracious on the field talking to Peyton and some of the Broncos. And I think he just has it in his mind that the media is out to get him and he's not going to give him anything, almost like it's a adversarial me versus them battle right now. And I think that had more to do with it than him just being this terrible loser. Yeah, it's it's strange because he seems to, to bring that up and and say that the media hates him, like he said last week, because he's black and they've never seen anything like it before. And it's like, it's like nobody really in the media that I've heard at least is bashing him before that. Yeah. And it, it seems like, like you said, he seems to, you know, maybe have picked out a couple people he's heard say those things and, and has taken it to heart. But it, I mean, he is not shy to giving the media stuff either. I mean, in the interviews yeah. he's doing all week long, I, I'm not a cam hater and I, I think he's kind of obnoxious sometimes. And I don't really mind the dancing on the field, but to hear some of the interviews all week long leading up to the games, by the time it got started, I was like, man, I kind of just want to see this guy lose. 
I, I remember yeah. specifically right before the game, there was an interview where he was like, people are always telling me, Cam, you're so perfect. And I'm like, I just got to keep working on my game and get better. I was like, who says to like, <laughs> Who honestly says something like that? It's just, yeah. It just sounds so conceited, and it's kind of, I don't know, maybe a little heartwarming to see somebody like that get back down to earth a little bit. <laughs> I agree. That CBS feature I'm, I'm guessing you're talking about. Yeah. After seeing that, I, I didn't see much of the stuff in the two weeks leading up. I had read about it, but it was all secondhand. But then once I saw that, I'm like, okay, I I I don't hate you, and I don't have a problem with the dancing and all that stuff. But gosh, I just kind of want to see you lose. It's almost the inverse of Russell Wilson, where he's just so like he's Cam Newton's so self confident, where you just want to see him fail. And whereas Russell Wilson, he's so self-proclaiming of his humbleness that you think it's an act and want to see him lose too. It's almost the same dynamic that people had for years with Brady and Manning, where Manning, you're just like, you can't really be this humble all the time. You're, you have to be full of it. I just want to see you just look stupid out there now. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens from here. I don't feel that the reaction to him walking out of that pre- press conference w- deserves kind of the vitriol that it's getting. But on the flip side, you gotta you gotta be better than that. I think. Yeah, I agree. And I had heard about it before I saw it. And I was like, oh man, this is gonna be crazy. And I watched it. It wasn't that big of a deal. And you know, honestly, if I hear a Broncos player in the background saying those things, I might have done the same thing. When you're at the same time getting asked how much it hurts that you let your teammates down in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and he got asked that like three times, the exact same question. And I think those are the types of people that he is convinced, rightfully so or not that are trying to get him. And I think at that point, he's like, you know what, screw these guys. I'm going to go be with my teammates. So we'll give him a pass for now. But if he does it again next year, then maybe we'll have to reassess. But who who really cares? What difference does it make? Do you think... That that fumble recovery, though, huh? Yeah, that's... uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I had that uh, on my list here, and I might have glossed over it. I couldn't believe it. I saw it live, and I was like, that couldn't have just been what it looked like and then they showed it and then the announcers were ripping on him too i was like holy cow like i've never heard the announcers be that against a player it seemed like just saying that he basically quit on his team and yeah. but it, that sure is what it looks like i haven't heard anything since then but I, I can't think of another explanation as to what would have happened there yeah i don't know if he was worried about getting hit i mean he would have gotten sure. well and yeah he was gonna get smashed by demarcus Ware and probably everybody right on his uh, i think it was his non-throwing shoulder but still <sighs> I mean, I don't think I would have been jumping in there, but that's one of the reasons why we're, we're not getting paid millions of dollars and our whole reputation's on the line. And, man, yeah, that's, that's – I don't know. See, that's another one where I'm trying to be as fair to Cam Newton while still going with my instincts. And the when I first saw that, I'm like, gosh, that's a weak – again, that's such a weak move. Get in there and jump on that thing. It's the Super Bowl. But then on the flip side, how many times does Peyton Manning just give up when it looks like there's a clear rusher without even putting up any kind of fight. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just feels so different, though. Like, I, Cam taking a sack is one thing, and then Cam with the ball right there jumping backwards is another. I think that yeah. any football player would have jumped in there, and it just, you know, it was so shocking to see that because we've never seen that on a football field. I can't remember ever seeing anything quite like that. I yeah. mean, you've seen receivers pull their arms back for when they know they're going to get hit. And you see quarterbacks, like you said, take sacks, but I've never seen anything quite like that. Yeah, but we used to see old Brett Favre all the time run 10 yards past the line of scrimmage, and then it looked like he'd get hit and he'd throw it anyways, just because he was too afraid to get hit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, 
never before down six with four or five minutes to play in the Super Bowl have I seen that. But, um, yeah, I think, again, he should have jumped in there, but I don't think he's, you know, maybe he is getting a little bit too much there because I think some of these other guys have sort of done stuff similar. Never in the same position, though. You, you would think Brett Favre would have jumped in there with the Super Bowl on the line. Yeah, I'll disagree with you on that one all day. Okay. I, I think that's that's like the biggest no-no in the history of the NFL <laughs> that I that I can think of off the top of my head, that you just quit like that in yeah. the Super Bowl with the game on the line. You just can't do that. Yeah, well, I, I think it's the worst, but it's the worst on a lesser degree than I think it's being built up. Okay. Is that fair-er? I guess so. Okay. What do you think is going to happen to Cam and the Panthers going forward? So they were 15-1 and this year. They were great, but it's easy to forget they were 7-8-1 and the year before and looked dreadful. I know they're going to get Calvin Benjamin back, but the big thing, that fumble that you were talking about, if people get on him or if that starts psyching him out or if his teammates start thinking less of him, that can really unravel your career. Jim Everett was an all-pro player, probably was better than Cam Newton was, uh, through this part of his career, and then he had the famous phantom sack in the 1989 uh, NFC Championship game where he was just getting pressured so much by the San Francisco 49ers that there was a time late in the game where he just gave up and basically sacked himself when there wasn't even anybody there. And people questioned him forever. It's what led to the Chris Everett, Jim Rome comment that led to a big fight. It kind of destroyed his reputation, and I don't think it's going to go that far with Cam, but I'm not necessarily convinced yet that the Panthers are here to stay yeah I, I agree it'll be interesting to see what happens with them and you hate to write off a team that's 15 and 1 and say they're going to come you know come back down to average again but we've seen them be that and really before this year and, and even when they were what was it 7 8 and 1 the year before yeah he Cam was was progressing but before that I mean he was a powder and he was kind of what we saw a lot yesterday and it seems like the winning and the confidence and all this arrogance has helped him play almost. Yeah. So to your point, you know, if people start looking at him differently and now are holding this against him, it seemed like he didn't play with much of that arrogance and, and confidence yesterday. And if, if that's a, a thing going forward, that could hurt him. And yeah. We've seen this team not be very good at times and be pretty average. And I don't think they're 15 and one good necessarily going forward. They've got to pay some guys. They're going to lose some guys. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. I, I'm not sure what to expect. I think a lot of teams in the NFC, us, Carolina, the Pan- or the Cardinals, I mean, you could see any number of these teams being really good or just kind of average. Yeah, and Seattle's here to stay, obviously. And 15-1 um, <clears throat> is not going to happen again. And it is unnatural to go 15-1, and one, even some of the best teams in history. The best team to follow up a 15-1 and one ever was the 86 Bears, went 14-2, and two, but then they got beat in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, real quick off the top of my head, so the 84 Niners went 15 and 1, went 10 and 6 the next year. The uh, Minnesota Vikings in 98 went 15 and 1 and then went 10 and 6 the next year. The Steelers in 04 did it and then were 11 and 5, ended up winning the Super Bowl, but still 11 and 5. Not a lot of teams win three road wild card games, so you would think they're going to have to be better than that if they're going to get back to this point. And then the Packers went 15 and 1 and then what? Were 11 and 5 in 2012? And even the Patriots were 11 and 5 after going undefeated, albeit without Tom Brady. So most teams aren't 15 and 1 every year. That just never happens. So I would expect them to come back down to that kind of 10-win level uh, this next year. But that still might be good enough to win that bad division. Yeah, it might be. Peyton Manning, what is his future? Is he going to retire? 
I sure hope so. <laughs> I mean, you can't have got any any like more of a clear sign that you need to go. I mean, it seemed like his family all week. Then I saw the interviews were like, yeah, I sure hope he retires. Yeah. And he plays so bad all year long. It wasn't just yesterday. He just doesn't have it anymore. And then you win a Super Bowl. I don't know. And it sounds like Denver's done with him no matter what. Yeah. And they so might be done with a lot of those guys. That team is pretty much yesterday. They were built for yesterday. And now that it's over, they're going to probably have to make some real hard roster choices. Yeah. So I don't know how is that guy unless, I mean, you got to have a lot of confidence if you're Peyton Manning. You think maybe you can do it, but I don't know how if you're in that situation you want to go and be the quarterback of the Rams or whatever next year. Yeah, I I agree with you. I hate to say that that I hope he retires, but you know he's not the player he used to be, so it's not like we're gonna miss any kind of great games or anything. He looked like Don Mikowski right after his rotator cuff surgery yesterday. He just would put his all into a pass and then it would flutter for like 12 yards. I, he just didn't seem to have it anymore, and it was nice that he got a chance to kind of ride off into the sunset and whatnot. But, man, if if he doesn't retire after this, he's going to leave on a stretcher, I think, is the only yeah. way that's going to happen. Yep. What Did you see Eli Manning's reaction? A lot of people are talking I, I about did, that. I saw it posted somewhere, but I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. So he just looked so, de- like, dejected when the Broncos scored the icing touchdown. <laughs> Um, but if you looked closely, he like slowly grabs his mom's hand. So I think it was just, he was so nervous and not ready to say that the game was over and Archie was kind of obstructed, but he was doing the same thing, but he's kind of getting killed on social media for supposedly not wanting Peyton to win so that he could have more Super Bowls. But, um, I read an article as I was trying to research if that could be true. And I, I read an article from before the Super Bowl that they lost to Seattle where Eli said he's always jealous when Peyton's in the Super Bowl because he wants to be in the Super Bowl, but he obviously really wants him to win. And he says he never gets nervous before his own games, but he gets super nervous before Peyton's games. So I'm sure he was just feeling the nerves for his brother. Yeah, I heard him say something too before the game that he was extremely nervous for the game and everything. I, I, I really doubt that he was actually upset there and would visibly show it when he knows people are going to be recording him and things. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's what you said. He's probably just really anxious still because the game wasn't over at that point. He had his Panthers jersey on. He ripped off his uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that was true. It's not like anybody's ever going to say that even if he had two and Peyton had one that he was the better quarterback anyway. So I think it's kind of a, a moot point. Like, who really cares? It's nice that you you got four as a family. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> he would have to like be as good as Tom Brady in the second half of his career in order to think anybody's thinks he's as good as Peyton, and I doubt anybody still would. Yeah. Um, I do feel kind of bad for him because once I read about that, I was kind of looking up some Peyton or uh, some Eli stuff, and in the last two years, he has had a thirty touchdown, fourteen interception season, a thirty-five touchdown, fourteen interception seasons, thrown for almost nine thousand yards, and they went six and ten both times. So he's playing probably his best football of his career right now, and it's Mm -hmm. he's got nothing to show for it. So the other Super Bowl stuff, um, I've remarked many times on this podcast that. I actually enjoy the Super Bowl more when the Packers aren't in it. Obviously, I want the Packers to always be in the Super Bowl, and it's exhilarating when they win. But as far as the chance to take in the whole Super Bowl package, you really can't do that when you have a rooting interest, or at least a very... uh, I I barely remember the last Super Bowl the Packers were in. Yeah, exactly. Me too. I don't remember one commercial. So anxious the whole game. Even halftime, like, I think it was the Black Eyed Peas, the whole time we were just trying to get updates on Charles Woodson's injury. 
you just can't relax at all. And once they win, it's the greatest feeling you can ever have as a sports fan. But that whole day is nothing but angst. It's just, not, it's hardly fun at all. But what about some of the other stuff? And the thing I saw that people were complaining about was that the fans booed Tom Brady when they were bringing in all the old Super Bowl MVP awards. And I have a feeling like they booed most of the modern players because that is what you do. You boo the other team's elite players. I don't think it was some target at Tom Brady. Well, and there was a bunch, half the crowd was Broncos fan. Yeah. Like, who cares? And they booed Deion Branch just the same, basically, as well. So I don't, I don't know. I, I kind of expected it, I suppose, when you have half of a, a fan base that doesn't like your team and that has competed with you for the last 15 years. I guess that's understandable. <laughs> and the other half was Panther fans whose biggest game of their franchise history prior to yesterday yeah. was a Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. So, yeah, I, I, I thought Drew Brees got a good booing, too, from the Panther fans. So I th- sure. think that's just what you do. Bart cares? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bart Starr, again, uh, looked okay being... Yeah, uh, I didn't expect that. Uh, yeah, I didn't know he was going to be on there, and he gave a big thumbs up and then a number one, and um, I'm sure they rehearsed that and whatnot, but gosh, it was cool to see him again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it caught me off guard, and I didn't even know what they were doing, and obviously he was first. Yeah, so it kind of catches you off guard, and they're like Bart Starr. It's like, oh, they're just mentioning names, and then they showed him. It almost seemed like it was like pre-recorded from a couple of years ago. He looked good. Yeah, he looked really good. So uh, hopefully that's a sign that he's continuing on um, trying to, you know, improve his quality of life and whatnot. So the halftime show. What did you think of that? I don't know. It was all right. I, I feel like it was kind of anticlimactic. I mean, after you see Katy Perry coming out on a giant tiger last year and like flying around on a jetpack, it, it seemed like a little less. I thought it was still okay. I, I guess I I thought Coldplay didn't sound the greatest when they were performing live, but I don't know. Beyonce and Bruno Mars were decently entertaining. Yeah, I felt bad for Coldplay, and I'm not a huge fan of theirs, and I was making fun of them because it, they just didn't seem to be quite the attraction that the other people had been in the recent years i mean they had had some mega mega stars um even if you don't like their music there's no denying how big bruno mars and Katy perry and them are and then you have coldplay who's you know has a following but certainly not onto that level in america at least and it's like the nfl acknowledged their mistake but didn't have the heart to pull the plug on coldplay so they're like go play for like six minutes and then we'll get bruno <laughs> mars and you guys just kind of go fade in the background with all the extras please yeah i thought that was weird when I leading up to the game that you heard that Bruno Mars and Beyonce were going to be performing as well, it's like, man, they don't seem like they would do it if they weren't headliners, but they basically were. They performed just as long. And they were just at the halftime show. Like, that would have been like, well, we don't really think Beyonce is very good, so uh, could, Bruce Springsteen, can you come back again and, and yeah. play a couple songs? Uh, so it was okay for what it was, but yeah, it was kind of lame. Like you said, when you had the production last year and then that shark that got all famous... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was just kind of weird. Um, the commercials were terrible. Yeah, it seems like they always are. I, I feel like we say that every single year, and there's never any good ones anymore. At the risk of sounding pompous, uh, I think they're aimed at an audience that's a little lower brow than uh, you or I or any of our great listeners. <laughs> the lowest of the common denominator yeah. in, in the country, I think. I don't think I yeah, laughed at it. People who are just like drinking at a bar and don't have enough time to really pay attention. And yeah. Just, I, can't say, I don't know. But yeah, I, I agree. I didn't find like anything funny. I don't think I laughed at anything. And, and there was that weird, <laughs> did you see that, what was it, a puppy monkey baby thing? Yeah, I think that's the only one people are going to remember because of how that bizarre so it was. 
Yeah. Are you still there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought I thought you kind of cut off there, but yeah, it was very freaky. Um, I I'm still not sure what to make of that. I don't know if I want an energy drink that Frankenstein's three things together like that. It sounds like a terrible idea. Um, did you see that Peyton Manning kissed Papa John after the game? I did, and then I I didn't really think much of it. I I mean I saw that and I thought they were probably friends, and then he kept pushing Budweiser during the interviews. I was like, oh, he's just plugging it. Like my wife asked me about it, I was like, why, is he, why does he keep saying that? I, like, I don't know. He must have a sponsorship. And then it kind of uh, today I just heard on PTI before we got on that they were talking about how weird and like NASCAR-y that was that he was doing all those things after the game. But uh, I, I guess it didn't even catch my attention while it was happening. But it was kind of weird. Apparently, they're not allowed to have a beer sponsorship with individuals. So it was just completely off the cuff, I guess. And it, I, I, yeah, they said something where he's like owns some distribution or something like yes. that. I'm not sure what it is, but I did see that as well. So it still was weird. Like I don't know why. I don't know why a distribution chain would need a celebrity endorsement. That's no. really weird. If you're going to get your Budweiser, make sure it's shipped by Dave's Trucking. Like, I don't really quite understand that, but I thought Peyton is so funny. I don't know. It's just his, he's such a, like, kind of a, I don't know, naive hick is kind of his delivery. I mean, he's certainly not that, but we always make fun of him and try to, like, say things in his voice by, like, switching out swear words for stuff like your mom would say, and... We were laughing so hard when he was talking in the pregame because uh, he addressed the Al Jazeera report that he's on HGH, and he's like, I know the NFL has got to investigate everything, and they should, but they're going to look for something, and I can tell you what they're going to find. They're going to find a big, fat nothing. <laughs> it just sounded so like Peyton Manning, like what we would say when we were trying to be a caricature of him, so I just yeah. thought that was funny. And I think when he was talking about it, when they first did the interview after that report came out, I called, he called it like Boo Hickey or whatever the saying is. <laughs> Something like, like a, that. Yeah, I don't remember, but yeah. Yeah, but he always has those kind of, I mean, you can almost predict exactly how it's going to sound. They also had a Brett Favre thing on Twitter that he must have said on NFL Network that sounded so Favre, and I could hear his voice when I was reading it when he, he picked the Broncos because he's like, I wouldn't count out the Broncos because the last time the Broncos were counted out, we lost. And it just sounds so Brett Farvian. Um, the best thing I saw yesterday in the pregame or postgame was the fake Buffalo Bills America's Game segment of alternate history. They photoshopped the Norwood kick going in, and then they had Kelly and a lot of guys on that team just talking about, man, I couldn't believe we won, and we were the toast of Buffalo, and we had so much confidence, we came back here, back next year and destroyed the Redskins. I didn't see that. Yeah, it was taking, it was called Alternate Buffalo Bills History 1990 through 1994, and it talked about how different the world would have been if they won all four, but it treated it like a mockumentary, like it actually happened. And they had Michael Irvin sitting there, and he's like, we had the triplets. We had a great team, but what are we supposed to do? They had like eight great players. What is that, octuplets? How are we supposed to beat octuplets? They killed us twice in a row. It was embarrassing. <laughs> it, was, it was actually really well done. And the, the Norwood kick, they made it go in. It looked perfect, so it, it was a really cool thing. I thought that uh, Santa Clara looked really cool as far as the stadium looked worthy of a Super Bowl, and I yeah. expect they're going to get one every five years or so. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, what do you think of it in the daylight? That was kind of cool, huh? Yeah, I, I 
didn't really think too much of it. I mean, it was kind of weird that by the time the halftime show was on, it was still super light out. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought it was nice. I thought it was a good venue. Well, it reminded me of the first Super Bowl that I had watched the entire season attentively leading up to, and that was Super Bowl Thirty, which was in Arizona, and the whole first half was played in daylight. So it kind of had an old-school 90s feel for me. Yeah. Okay, so that kind of wraps up a lot of the Super Bowl stuff. Do you have anything else you wanted to add? No, I think we covered pretty much everything. <laughs> was, yeah, I think I think we did. I just kind of rapid-firing on all of my stuff here. I did want to say this last thing, that uh, for Cam Newton, uh, I was going to mention this before, but you and I haven't talked on one of these for like three weeks. I'm all discombobulated. It feels like the Packers haven't played for four months. Mm-hmm. That... It's very hard to get back to a Super Bowl, and I, I know people always reference the Dan Marino commercial where he uh, allows Joe Montana to buy him a Coke, and then he says, hey, Joe, next year I'm buying, and then they use that as, oh, we never expected Dan Marino to never get back. Well, there have been 58 quarterbacks to play in the Super Bowl, and only 30 or 36 of those 58 only played in one for their entire career. The only quarterbacks to ever lose a Super Bowl and return to win it at any point in the rest of their career are Len Dawson, Bob Greasy, Roger Staubach, John Elway, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. So, That's crazy. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often. There's a lot of guys that come back and win it, but most of them that lose, a lot of times they never get another chance, and so that's something to think about if you're a Panther fan. Yeah, and I, I don't, you can probably uh, verify this information, but I think I heard that Peyton was the first guy to win it with two different teams, and I, that seemed kind of shocking to me. You would think somebody else would have done it, but I couldn't think of anybody else. Yeah, I had seen that too, and I'm, I have no reason to believe it's not right. There's not that many guys that went to multiple Super Bowls with, with different teams. Um, well, Kurt Warner obviously almost won with the Cardinals, yeah. and then Craig Morton went with Dallas and with the uh, Denver Broncos. Broncos, yeah. So those are the only two I can think of off the yeah, top. Yeah, I don't end. think it's ever happened. Yeah, so that's I guess it's fitting that he was able to do something like that. So let's talk about the Hall of Fame class of uh, 2013. So the big one, obviously Brett Favre. I don't think there was any doubt that uh, he wasn't going to go in. The other modern candidates were Marvin Harrison, the Colts wide receiver, Kevin Green, finally getting in, Orlando Pace, and Tony Dungy. So, um, Matt, what are your thoughts on that class? Yeah, and I'm sure you're going to ask me a follow-up question on this, but I I think it's a good class and they all deserve it, but I cannot believe that Marvin Harrison gets in and T.O. doesn't. I think that's just ridiculous. Yeah. I, I can't understand how that can happen, you know, and I'm sure a lot of the people that vote maybe have something against T.O., but... Marvin Harrison, it's not like he was a perfect guy, too. He ended up getting out of the league because of an issue, too. Mm-hmm. And, and T.O. was such a better receiver yeah. than Marvin Harrison was. So that was a little shocking. But it's not that Marvin doesn't deserve it. I just think when you're putting him up against each other and for him to get in and T.O. to not get in, I think is shocking. I agree. That was ridiculous to me. And I hate when sports writers do that, where they try to be like, well, you know, make him wait. And if he's good enough, he's good enough. And if you're going to have some kind of... But even like a morality clause, I could be misremembering, so if I am, please forgive me. But T.O. never did anything that bad, did he? No, I mean, he was maybe a bad teammate and kind of obnoxious, but I mean, he was basically squeaky clean off the field. Yeah, he was just annoying and nobody really liked him, and and he probably wasn't fun to be around, but he he's... There's other guys that have done far worse than he did, and didn't, yeah, Harrison have 
domestic violence or some kind was, of thing? something with a gun in a car wash. I don't remember exactly okay. what it was, but I think there were shots fired, and he, like, dumped the gun or something like that. I don't remember how it ended up, but it was kind of a big deal. I think he got arrested, maybe. Okay, well, let's not speculate any further, because yeah. we don't want <laughs> <We don't laughs> Maybe he killed a couple of guys. <laughs> yeah. I think that was him. Yeah. He, he definitely crashed that puppy truck off the cliff into yeah. that school. And he still gets into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's offensive. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was sad that Kurt Warner didn't get in again, but I figured he wouldn't just being inevitably compared to Brett Favre, and so it's hard there. The Tony Dungy one, I'm still torn on, because I feel like he deserves it, but it feels like another case where a guy might have been more elevated by his prominent television stature. Yep, absolutely. And so I did look it over, and the big ones to me that always come up is that if you're going to put Tony Dungy in, then what about Mike Holmgren and Mike Shanahan are, are the big ones for me. And Dungy had a 6-6-8 winning percentage in the regular season, which is far better than Shanahan or Holmgren. Holmgren was a 5-9-2, Shanahan a 5-5-2. However, Dungy went to only one Super Bowl, only one title, was 9-10 and in the playoffs. Mike Holmgren, 13-11 and in the playoffs, two Super Bowls and one title. And I found it interesting that Brett Favre and Mike Holmgren had the exact same record without each other in the playoffs. Both were 4-6. and six. So they should have stayed together. We'd have won a lot more, I think. And Mike Shanahan, 8-6 and six in the playoffs, two Super Bowl appearances, two titles. So Dungy was certainly better in the regular season, but I don't know if you could put him in over Holmgren or Shanahan. Maybe those guys will come along and get more credence. But, uh, yeah, I didn't. I, I don't know about that one. Well, I, th- I think he, you're, you're spot on with that. And I think he also gets in for the opposite reason that T.O. you know, doesn't get in is because it seems like everybody loves him. Yeah. And it, we just talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how Jeff Fisher always keeps his job. It seems like he's nice to the reporters. You, you can see Tony Dungy being the exact same way. I, I can't imagine him saying a bad word about anybody. Just yeah. Just being super friendly. And it, that seems to pay off for head coaches and players. So I guess if you want to make the Hall of Fame, just be a, re- be an analyst afterwards and just have always been super nice to everybody. <laughs> well, which should go without saying, I guess. You should try to be nice to everybody regardless. But, yeah, that's a good point. He's on TV all the time. He seems like everybody's, like, uncle. He's just so nice and soft-spoken. And if you think about guys like Holmgren and Shanahan, Tony Dungy was always considered Mr. Humble and certainly seems to have lived that way, whereas Holmgren and Shanahan always had a reputation for being pretty full of themselves. And yeah. so maybe that hurts them a bit, too. So glad Kevin Green got in. He looked great on the NFL Awards. I saw the highlights of them coming out. He looked like he could still play, and uh, it's way overdue for him to be in, but I'm so glad that they finally smartened up and put him in. Yeah, it's about time. It, it's shocking it took that long for him to get in there. I mean, we remember watching him in the 90s. He was one of the most dominant defensive players, at, and he, the stats back it up, too, so it was kind of strange. And, and being on a dominant team and in a big city, you would think that this would have happened a lot sooner. Yeah, I wonder if you lose a lot of the lobbyists. Um, so he had those great years with the Rams, and he had Pittsburgh, obviously, but I wonder if, you know, he switched teams a lot, so there's really no groundswell of people trying to support him. And um, But, yeah, he, what is he, like fourth in the NFL all-time in sacks, I believe? Um, third all-time in sacks. He won the Defensive Player of the Year in 1996. So, yeah, he absolutely should have been in. He Wow, he had 12 sacks as a 37-year-old for the Panthers in 99. So he, he was awesome. So mostly I think they got it right. I, I think Kurt Warner would eventually get in, you got to believe, right? Well, yeah, 
if not next year, maybe if they don't have a good quarterback in the class. I don't remember who's going to be in that one. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know either. Not, not really any prominent people have retired since Favre. So he's probably going to get in next year, I would think. Ken Stabler also got in, which... Yeah. It almost seems like kind of a bummer. Like, you feel good for his family, but it's like, really? I Did it have to be, like, right after he passed away? It just almost seems like if they were going to do it, they could have done it a little sooner. Well, you hate to say this, but the first thing I thought is if he was still alive, there's no way he would have made it. No, and I mean, that's the reason he hadn't gotten voted in for so long is because I think most people had decided he didn't deserve it. He wasn't it. good enough. Yeah, he, yeah. He, was, he was like... I don't know, Donovan McNabb, he's just close. He's not quite good enough. He's not quite at that level. And then as soon as he passes away, then everybody kind of gets the rose-colored glasses and, and votes him in. So, you know, it, yeah, it sucks for him and it sucks for his family, but I'm not sure he would have got it had this not gone down that way, right. with, un- unfortunately. And then, uh, you know, Dix Stanfill, you know, big, big time, big time. I've been saying for years that they got to let Stanfill in. And <laughs> it would fall on deaf ears. Yeah, <laughs> and Eddie DeBartolo got in as well from the 49ers, so um, sure. um, good for him. I, I've heard his name a lot, and he was the owner of some really successful teams. So there you go. Okay, I don't have much else to say other than everybody needs to go to the Green and Gold Forever page, uh, the actual Podbean page, and vote in the Goldie Awards because that will be our next show probably in uh, two or three weeks. And you got to vote in the Goldies. If you can remember as far back as when the Packers were actually playing games, maybe this will spark your memory by going to the ballot and contributing. It's always a really fun time. And um, Matt, I haven't slept for weeks because my phone just buzzes constantly for people that want want an opportunity to host the Goldies. Yeah. Uh, I, I really hope that I'm not the special guest host again this year. <laughs> well, we'll we'll have so to much see. pressure. It, it really is, but you know, and I never know of it until like right before the show starts. So it's. It's daunting. Well, that makes you much better than like Conan O'Brien, who got a chance to prepare for probably weeks or even months to host the NFL Honors. And I think everybody was just almost falling asleep in the crowd because they're like, well, what is the point? The Goldies are coming up. Why do I even have to be here? Yeah, that's true. So there, there is that. So everybody get on there. We also, well, I'll plug it for the last time, uh, leading up to the Super Bowl, a lot of you like the What If segment. And so kind of a written version of the what is segment i fixed 10 bad super bowls and so there's a lot of stuff in there about different ways that the super bowl could have gone down and so if you like the what if segment that's certainly something you would enjoy as well so i asked for some feedback on the green and gold forever podcast site we did get a comment from daniel johnson I asked about the Super Bowl, will Peyton retire, and what will become of the Panthers. Uh, Daniel Johnson said he thought it was a boring game. The commercial and halftime shows made it worse. Um, then he's glad Peyton got another ring. He's always been a Peyton Manning fan. He thinks he will retire. He just hopes he can make a decision and stick to it, which would be interesting to see if he has a Farvian-like uh, retirement. I doubt that is going to happen with him, but um, we'll see. The Broncos need to know where to go after Peyton, so I think they can uh, get an answer before free agency, which is true because Brock Wa- Osweiler, I almost called him Brock Weiler again. <laughs> Osweiler is a free agent, I believe, right? Uh, is he? Yeah, I, I guess I don't know. I thought they had him for at least another year, but you might be right. He's been on the roster for, what, three seasons now? Uh, I think Two or three. Four, maybe, because I think it's his rookie contract. Cause, uh, yeah, they, it is, because the big thing they were talking about yesterday was Von Miller's a free agent, as is Osweiler, and they think they'll have to franchise one of them, so they have to decide which one they want to try to franchise. 
Which, well, you would think that, you know, if you're going to franchise uh, Von Miller, you're, it's leading to a big contract. He's going to get Endomic and Sue money. Yeah, absolutely. But you can probably get Osweiler for pretty reasonable. I mean, I would think $10 mil a year is probably decent, and then you can at least afford to pay a, de- a defensive uh, lineman that much because you're not paying the quarterback as much as a lot of other teams. That's true, but if I'm his agent, I ain't signing for anything less than five years. You know, at this point, it's kind of like the, or maybe not five, but four. I'm not signing some kind of three year tested deal. I'm going to shoot for four years and, sure. and make them commit to me. And I think, uh, Washington's going to have the same problem trying to sign Kirk Cousins is I'm sure that I'd those. I'd much rather have Kirk, Kirk Cousins than Brock Osweiler on the, on the table for who I signed. Oh, absolutely. But I, I'm just using it to compare the unknown factor that the team is going to want him to sign for three and the agent is going to sign for no less than four years, I would imagine. See, I feel like the difference with those two guys is that if, if they hit the open market, Kirk Cousins would get a max big kind of a deal from someone. That's true. He would get a massive deal. Whereas Osweiler wouldn't at this point. I mean, somebody would take a shot on him, but I do, do even the Browns give a guy like that, like $18 million a year? Probably not. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> with what's going on with uh, Manziel and some of their other guys that they've he had. Just, he didn't even look that good when he played, so I guess that's why I'm a little puzzled by their seeming commitment to him at this point, that they've already basically said he's the quarterback of the future. I mean, I guess so. You don't want to have to draft somebody and take a shot at that, but yeah. he, he has, wasn't that impressive. I mean, he got benched for a broken down Peyton Manning at the end of the year yeah and I wasn't blown away by him either but there were times when he with that team now granted they're not going to have that great defense likely going forward but with that team he looked like 2001 Tom Brady like just a perfect game manager and Brady took years before he was this Tom Brady he was just kind of a game manager and that's how Brock played in the games that they won. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be Tom Brady, but it's it, he showed enough flash where it's got to be hard for a GM to let him walk away, I guess. Sure. But I wouldn't pay much for him either, like you said. Uh, if if I always use the Jacksonville example, but if if Cleveland wants to break the bank to get a guy like him, then then let him have it, I would think. Um, but that goes into another discussion now where a lot of scouts are saying that the quarterbacks coming in out of the spread offenses are absolutely terrible, and every single one of them are like a three-year project. So yeah. we'll see how that all plays out. That's what the offseason is for. Okay, and also um, Daniel Johnson says the Panthers will probably be a top contender again next year. And Daniel Johnson also went to the Pro Bowl, so he has some really cool comments and a picture of John Gruden that he's really close to on the Pro Bowl. So I'm not going to have a chance to, to read that on the air, Daniel, but that's awesome that you shared that, and it looked really cool, and I'm glad that you were able to uh, see all those guys and see the Packers coaches crush the Packers players, which was the only interesting thing of the <laughs> of the Pro Bowl. Somehow all of the Packers players were on one team, and it was the team opposite of the one being coached by Winston Moss and the Packers' assistants. <laughs> yeah. And they smoked them, so that's interesting. Okay, do you have any other thing that you want to say to put an end to the 2015 NFL season? No, I'm I'm happy it's over though. Not that I'm not going to miss football a lot, but it's you know it's nice to wrap up a disappointing end to a Packers season and have that hope again starting like as of today for next year already. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, they're third, I think, or no, tied for fourth for Super Bowl odds in 2016. So. Uh, people still believe that the Packers are going to be good, and I think there's no reason to believe they can't be. So let's go away with that hope and uh, put to bed the 2015 season for the most part, although the biggest event of 2015 
is yet to come, which is the goldies. So go to green and gold, green gold forever dot Vote on the goldies ballot. Uh, you can see our complete archives and blogs on there as well. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at green gold forever or go to our Facebook page, green and gold forever podcast. Search for that on Facebook. Thanks again for the fantastic support this season. And, uh, we'll see you for the goldies in a few weeks. Take care, everyone.